The following podcast contains explicit language. Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with the Slate Spoiler Special Podcast on Bridesmaids, the new uh, film directed by Paul Feig and starring Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph. Here with me in the studio is Lindsay Robertson. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Dana. So very happy to have you in on this one. Lindsay is a writer and a blogger who's about to launch a new blog, a new um, TV website called The Set. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And you're writing it with Tara Ariano? Yes. Of, um, uh, of Television Without Pity fame? Yes, Extremely excited to be working with her. Can you tell us when approximately the launch is going to happen? Um, not sure. Probably this summer, though. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> um, well, we'll have you back in when it does. So, okay. so I was really happy to have you on this one because I consider you my well, my sort of girl movie go-to and one of my comedy go-tos. So, um, this is sort of the big, the big girl comedy, definitely of the summer, actually, maybe of the last few years. Yes, and uh, highly anticipated all year. So, just your first reaction. What did you think? I loved it. Um, I, I'm really glad this is a spoiler podcast because normally I would just be really quiet. I'd just say, just, you know, manage expectations, just see it, just see it. But, you know, since you have already seen the movie, if you're listening to this, this is an important one to say that. Um, I absolutely loved it and I'm really excited about it. And, um, I'm relieved too, because I think so much seemed to sort of depend on this movie. Like, and if it was a flop, well... It still could be a flop, I guess. But, I mean, it is. I believe it's very successful as an actual comedy. And, well, um, when, when you say so much was writing on it, I mean, I know what you mean, but can you elaborate <laughs> a little bit for the listener? Um, I guess it's one of the first movies where uh, it's sort of for a female audience, um, you know, from a female point of view, that does not revolve around um, a romance or a love story. And it's, you know, sort of about the other things in life. And yes, it's about a wedding, but, you know, they had to kind of start out. Maybe eventually they'll have movies with adventures that women go on that don't have anything to do with the man. But um, in this case, um, it, it just seems like this movie is opening the door. And it's also, they're definitely doing a lot of PR spinning about that. You know, this is that movie. This is the one. Is it going to work? If it doesn't, you know, we're screwed forever. Um so you mean in terms of other women getting projects to, to yeah, write I, movies like this? We should also point out that it is written by two women, by Kristen Wiig and by her writing partner, Annie Mumolo, who has a small part in the movie. Yes. So although it's not directed by a woman or produced, it is actually produced by Judd Apatow, which is another part of the big hype machine. Um, it, it, it does feel to me more organically like a, a women's comedy than I had expected going in. Right. And it's a comedy, not a romantic comedy, you know, so. Well, can, can we get into that? OK, let's let's approach it from that angle, because I guess you could say it's not a romantic comedy. It does have an important romantic story in addition to the wedding story. Right. We should. Yeah. We should specify that. OK, so the character who's getting married is not the main character. Maya Rudolph plays the woman who's getting married. Her name's Lillian. Her best friend since childhood, whose name is Annie, is played by Kristen Wiig, and she would be the main character of the movie, right? So yes. it's the story of the maid of honor and the misadventures that she gets into on the way to planning this wedding for her best friend. Yes, and we're seeing it all through the eyes of, of her and relating to her. And, right, um, so we don't get that much screen time with Maya Rudolph, although I think she does a lot with her little bit of screen time that she, she gets. Yes, she does. So as the movie begins, Maya Rudolph is proposed to by her boyfriend, who interestingly is practically invisible throughout the movie, right? I don't think he literally speaks a single line the guy that plays her her yeah, husband-to-be, right? I mean... We know that he's blonde. We see him. He 
Seems standing fine. there smiling during an <laughs> engagement party. And the, the question never becomes, should she or shouldn't she marry this guy, which I thought was interesting. I did think at some point that was going to come into play. And it's really immaterial to the movie, which is completely focused on these female friendships. So the other big female friendship in the movie is between Maya Rudolph and Rose Byrne, who plays this woman named Helen, who's, uh, who isn't initially chosen as the maid of honor, but is kind of clearly the, uh, the competitor for the best friend title with Kristen Wiig, right? Yes. And so Helen is kind of hilariously perfect. She's really rich. She's married to some rich guy. She seems to be almost like a professional party planner, right? So everything that she does works out perfectly. And she plans these incredibly elaborate events for her friend. And poor Kristen Wiig is just kind of schlumping along, trying to do anything half right and can't do anything right. Yes. And this wedding is basically happening at the absolute worst time in Annie's life. Um, She's working as a uh, in a jewelry store after her awesome bakery business, uh, Cake Baby, went under and, um, you know, her dream has died. She lives with these uh, two brother and sister roommates. They say they're British at one point. I thought they were Australian. They're they're strange. Um, she drives this car that's breaking down, has no brake lights. She, just her life is really miserable. And then this wonderful thing is happening to her friend and she has to plan everything and, you know, be the, the maid of honor. And then here's Helen, introduce Helen, who is just the opposite. She's perfect. She's rich. Everything that Kristen Wiig isn't, and it it just basically it's the movie. It's her just kind of gradually going crazy, right? And you were I saying that also that, that that this movie belongs to a genre of normal people driven slowly crazy that you're you're fond of. Yes, I love those for some reason. Um, just in in this movie, it's really subtle because you know Helen really doesn't do anything specifically wrong except she's just perfect, and um, there I mean she does give her the pills and the um bourbon on the plane. Right. But, this um, is one of the big the big comic set pieces is that all the bridesmaids are flying to Vegas together for a, a bachelorette party, which Kristen Wiig didn't want to do in the first place because it was too expensive. She keeps trying also to save money on these events and yeah. it, it always turns to her disadvantage. Um, but she is an anxious flyer, Kristen Wiig's character, so she ends up getting too Valium from Helen. It's not clear whether it's a deliberate undermining or not. And and then chugging a scotch on top of it. And there's this, I thought, hilarious, <laughs> completely over-the-top scene where she just ignores all social boundaries and blunders up into front class and starts making a fuss. Yeah, it, that, that entire scene was amazing. I love how long it went. Um, I love how long all of the comedy scenes uh, go. Like, they take it just so much farther than a romantic comedy would take it. They take it as far as it it would go in an R-rated movie, you know, that Judd Apatow did for... You're right. I mean, both take it as far in terms of kind of the extremeness of the joke, how, how raunchy it is or how kind of gross it is, but also just in terms of the sheer length, there's these long comic riffs where I just couldn't believe that Christian Wig was being given the chance to, to keep elaborating on a joke so yeah. extremely. Like, like okay, for example, the um, the shower that Helen throws for, for Lillian is this really absurd over-the-top event with this Parisian theme where they're like puppies in berets and a fake Eiffel <laughs> tower and a chocolate fountain, all these over-the-top things at her huge mansion. Oh, and white horses pick you up at the gate and carry you to the party. Like, all those those sight gags were really, really great. But then uh, the Christian Wig character has this absolute freak out in that scene at the fact that Helen's gift is, is so much fancier and better received than hers. But there's something really beautiful in the character detail about the gift that she gives, right? I mean, you actually see in this scene, I think, that the two writers of the film are old friends. Christian Wig and Andy Mumolo have known each other for eight years. They were in the Groundlings comedy troupe, troupe in L.A. together. 
And uh, and you really see that history of the friendship when she gives her this this uh, kind of decoupage box with little cutouts of pop music they used to listen to and things they used to do together when they were little girls. And uh, and it's this incredibly heartfelt but homemade and inexpensive gift, right? And then mm-hmm. it's topped by this rich woman giving her tickets to Paris. And the freak out that that occasions is just one of the golden <laughs> moments of the movie, I think. Where she just says, are you fucking kidding me? You know, it's just, just amazing. And I, I love that she can say that. I love that it's R-rated and not they're not trying to get little girls in to see a romance. So the much-talked-about scene in this movie that's actually an incursion from Apatow and Feig, it sounds like it was something that they wanted put into the script that wasn't originally there, is the big set piece involving poop and vomit jokes. Do you want to, do you want to set that up and, and talk about your reaction to it? Uh, yes. Um, well, um, so as her contribution, I guess, to the, the day of the fitting for the bridesmaids' dresses, um, Annie, uh, played by Kristen Wiig, uh, takes everyone to a Brazilian restaurant that she's like, this is where actual Brazilian people eat, and it, you know they all eat, and um, and it's sort of a dump, of course. Yeah, it's kind of kind of scary. There's like a stray dog in the parking lot, I think, and um, so um, after that they go to this incredibly fancy place to get the fitting done um, that Helen gets them into, um, even though there's a seven week waiting list, and uh, everybody starts to get all sweaty, and when they're trying on all the dresses and expensive dresses. And um, basically, like, everyone has sort of an either a vomit or diarrhea incident, um, except for Kristen Wiig. And Helen, sorry, Helen refuses to eat the Brazilian food because she doesn't want to get bloated during the fitting. So she's the only one who doesn't get sick. And there's this one scene that's just amazing where Kristen Wiig is obviously, like, needs to vomit and uh, is standing there in the dress and she just refuses to admit it. And each time they show her face, she's more and more green and more and more sweaty and more and more in total panic mode. You got food poisoning from that restaurant, didn't you? No, I had the same thing that she had and I, I feel fine. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Oh, no. What is happening? Nothing's happening. Oh, my God. You know, I don't really care which dress we get. It doesn't matter to me. I just need to get off this white carpet. No, okay. No, not the bathroom. Everybody, go outside. And there's this really ridiculous close-up where Helen offers her a Jordan almond, which is, of course, exactly what would be sitting around at a bridal fitting place, (laughs) like a little cut glass dish of Jordan almonds, and forces her to eat the the Jordan almond in close-up to prove that she wasn't affected by the food poisoning. I don't know if it comes across in recounting it, but it's so sadistic and ridiculous. It's just, it's like a standoff, you know? It's like a pissing contest or something. Like, who can... You know, break first. I love it. I- but did that scatological scene strike you as an incursion? When I read in the uh, that profile of Kristen Wiig in the, in the New York Times magazine that, you know, that had been something that Apatow and Feig insisted be put in the movie, basically because it was going to make guys laugh and get guys into the theater. I thought, oh, no, is, is this movie going to feel like it's two different movies sutured awkwardly together? And I actually didn't really feel that it felt that way. I mean, that scene is a pretty extreme gross out, but there's some pretty funny stuff in it, too. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of mercifully brief and without the sound effects that <laughs> we've come to expect from, you know, Fairly Brothers movies and, and stuff. Um, yeah, it's funny. It works. And also it, it works, you know, later in the plot. It's like, oh, you know, Annie can't do anything right. You know, it doesn't matter what she does. It, it, everybody gets food poisoning because of the restaurant. Right. So does, it doesn't just feel know. like a sketch. Well, this is what I was saying coming out of the movie to you, is that, is that I had sort of thought that at the at most this would be an effective set of sketches that were thinly knit together by a plot. But it actually did feel like a real story that built on characters and advanced the plot. All right. Well, this movie is completely and entirely dependent on the performance of that that character of, of Annie. And I want to know, I want to hear you on Kristen Wiig. I thought she, I don't watch Saturday Night Live that much. I've seen her in sketches here and there. You know, I've seen her in small parts in movies. I thought she was funny, but I think I've probably thought she was sort of a one note 
actor before who just always does the, the freak show person. But I thought she was absolutely brilliant in this role. It made me really excited for her to have more leading roles in comedies. Yeah, I feel like she, I mean, seriously, not kidding. I feel like they should do an Oscar campaign for her for this movie, for Best Actress. I think she was just, and also I'm not a huge Kristen Wiig fan from SNL. I mean, I I know she's one of those people where it's like, I know she's talented, but characters like Gilly just get on my nerves a lot. Um, Is that the happy person at Target character she does on no, SNL? No, it's uh, this other uh, sort of weird little girl character. Um, she just does some stuff that's just like, okay, I get it. That, it, you know, that takes a lot of talent, but it doesn't make me laugh. But um, after this movie, I mean, she was just so incredibly relatable. She wasn't a wacky character she wasn't she was just sort of like a normal person who was sort of being made to feel weird by all these situations well it's a real shaggy dog story it's one of those things where it's sort of the terrible horrible no good very bad day right (laughs) which starts right at the beginning with a really funny sight gag i love that um that gate sight gag at the beginning so we first see her in this big fancy house which turns out to belong to a character played by john ham who's sort of a don draper like character actually who's basically all we know about him is that he's some sort of good time playboy fuck buddy guy that she occasionally has sex with, right? Yes. So we see, we see the two of them having this really like hilariously <laughs> sort of athletically comic yet bad <laughs> sex. And then he basically kicks her out. There's a really heartbreaking yet funny line where they're kind of having pillow talk after spending the night together. And he says, you know, I really, really want you to leave right now, but I just don't know how to say it without hurting your feelings and basically kicks her out of his house. Yeah. So she tries to leave and there's a big automatic gate that she can't get open. And of course, it's too humiliating to go back and say, can you please open your gate so that I can leave your house? And so she climbs the gate, but as she climbs it, it starts to open. I can't really describe it, but she's kind of riding this gate like rodeo cowboy style while all the neighbors watch. And it's just such a humiliating beginning to the movie. It tells you so much about this character and how much she's willing to put up with and sort of what a passive character she is. And that leads me to something else I wanted to say that I liked about this movie, which is that she's not at all, as, as relatable as she is, she's not at all a, uh, a whitewashed main character. She does a lot of really jerky things and makes a lot of huge mistakes that they, she then has to atone for for the rest of the movie. So it really is a movie about reconsidering your life choices. She doesn't get off the hook that easily. And, um, oh, the friendship between her and Maya Rudolph, um, between Annie and um, Lillian, is just so believable. I found it so, you know, the best friendship. Um, you know, neither one of them. Like, if you look at a movie like Bride Wars, which it is about, you know, a wedding and two best friends, and you never ever believe that they were ever friends. And in this movie, like, the the friendship is always like seems really deep, and it's important to both of them. And, and I don't know, they both seem like really good people through it. And that's partly established early on by having them be funny together. I just feel like this yeah. movie was such a huge blow for the funniness of women. And th- there's a very early scene where they are having brunch together or something just as the sex in the city girls always did but like way more like real people actually have brunch and there's some moment that my rudolph's talking about a guy who once insulted Kristen wig by telling her she needed dental work and then they start sticking crumbs like chocolate <laughs> cookie crumbs or something onto their teeth so that their teeth look blacked out it's the most ridiculous thing but totally something that would actually happen at lunch with a funny friend and, you know, maybe another part of what made the uh, the female centricity of this movie so satisfying, besides the fact that these were recognizable people and not kind of sex in the city, weird robot ideas of what, what females are, is that everyone was so normal looking. I mean, with the exception of Rose Byrne, who the whole joke is that she's kind of too perfect and too gorgeous, right? I mean, these are 
beautiful women. I think especially Maya Rudolph is totally gorgeous, but in a completely unusual way, right? I mean, she's, she does not look at all like the classic bride in Hollywood romantic comedy. She's not a Kate Hudson or a Catherine Hagel, right? And yeah. Kristen Wiig, while she is blonde, is also just an odd-looking person, very, very scrawny. You know, she kind of has <laughs> crow's feet. She's 37 years old. I just loved the the normalcy of these women and that it wasn't a question. You know, they they could still be sexually desirable. They could still be funny. They didn't have to have perfect bodies and faces and clothes. Yeah, that's a really new thing. I, I there, and there is a, a, a big character. There's a fat lady character who I, when she first came on the scene, um, played by Melissa McCarthy, she plays the groom's sister and one of the bridesmaids. And when she first came on the scene, I thought, oh no, she's going to be the butt of all these fat jokes. And she actually sort of wasn't. She was such a bizarre, funny character. It, it was not about her being fat. It was about her being sort of obsessed with U.S. national security <laughs> and what else was strange about her? She was just a weirdo. Yeah, but in a in a really friendly way and like, you know, she's her fairy godmother at one point. She like, come, you know, gets her off the couch and forces she's her She's sort of butch and, and then I also thought at one point, oh, there's going to be all these lesbian jokes at her expense, but it's actually, there's a point made of the fact that she's not gay. She's straight. She's just <laughs> sort of like a, a big butch friendly weirdo yeah she just owns everything you know and she kind of stole the movie a little bit there was one moment that bothered me that i think just didn't belong in the script because it didn't make any sense it was a moment when Kristen wig was complaining about all the ways in which she felt inferior to helen the, the competitive best friend figure and one of the ones she mentioned was she's skinnier than me and when Kristen wig is saying that line it just doesn't make any sense at all because it yeah. she's if anything too scrawny <laughs> yeah and uh, and possibly even less curvy than rose byrne who's sort of you know more classic slender hour glass figure or something. So anyway, I mean, it made sense to say, oh, she's richer. She's this. She's that. But when she said she's skinnier, I, it, there was something about that that I noticed that wrong. as well. I think everybody will notice that. <laughs> it definitely was something that just should have been left on the cutting room floor. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. So even though this is a very female centric movie, there there are there is actually one important male female relationship in it, which is between Kristen Wiig's character and this cop, this Irish cop played by Chris O'Dowd. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Chris O'Dowd is. Give me some background. Um, well, I just know him from uh, the British uh, sitcom uh, The IT Crowd, where he plays uh, one of the IT guys at, uh, for this big company. It's a hilarious show, by the way. Netflix it. Um, and on that show, he's completely, you know, this hapless, nerdy, you know, he has really no luck with women. And so it's, but he, I've always thought he's really cute. And so it's awesome to see him, you know, coming to America and playing sort of a, not a leading man, but, you know, a love interest. And because he is a, and he's a great guy. He's a great actor. I mean, he, He's good at playing a great guy. <laughs> He's a terrific character in this, I think, also because this goes back to what I was saying before about um, about her making real mistakes that she really has to atone for, is that there's not an artificial obstacle thrown into their relationship three quarters of the way through a movie in, in classic romantic comedy style, where after one loneliness montage with a song, <laughs> they're back together again. She really kind of treats him badly. There's a scene where she um, she finally does go home with him, sleep with him, and then the next morning, he makes this very sweet gesture of, of getting all the ingredients to make a cake, because he used to love her bakery back when she had a bakery. And uh, and she you know freaks out kind of guy style right at the at the notion of intimacy and goes running off and uh, and she really has to pay for it I mean yeah. he really gives her hell the next two or three times that he sees her in the movie I did think actually that the the um, the ending where they get together and he shows up at the end of the wedding was a little bit unmotivated because the last time you saw him he was completely pissed at her so I don't know exactly what happened maybe Helen somehow you know pulled strings behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. but uh, but he shows up all all happy at the end I wanted to know what you thought about the fact that there is a somewhat conventional romantic story, you know, plonked onto this this woman-centered movie. What I thought about that is uh, they have to do that. It's required legally by law. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, 
you know, you can wish and wish and wish for that not to be a part of a movie, but it's always going to be. Yeah, you know? it, it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that this is completely, I think, a, a movie about women. Do you think it's a movie totally for women? This is something we were talking about on the way out. That I, I think it's going to be a criti- critical success and that most of my friends are going to like it. But is this going to be a box office summer smash? I heard a lot of guys laughing in the theater, and I know uh, other friends who've seen it. And, you know, the fact that we were sort of tuned into that frequency is, you know, probably says something about it. But um, I heard a lot of guys laughing really hard. And I'm like, I watching it, I mean, it's legitimately just funny to both sexes. And it's the same way, like, women like The Hangover. Um, at least the women I know like The Hangover. I like The Hangover okay. I thought this was a lot funner and more exciting than The Hangover. The Hangover felt like a retread to me. You know, it's interesting. I was reading some of the some of the coverage of this that the um the Vegas scene was actually cut. You know, they're on the plane to Vegas, right? All these things happen. We won't get into it now, but they never end up going to Vegas. Mm-hmm. They don't make it there because of, of Annie's misbehavior on the plane. And uh, and apparently Apatow wanted that taken out because he said every guy movie has gone to Vegas. Vegas has been done and, and we can't do it again. And I did feel like The Hangover retreaded some things that this movie studiously avoids. So um, the credit sequence has a little clip of a sort of music video from the wedding that I wanted to talk about because we also found that super hilarious. So one thing that I think is a big spoiler that nobody should tell anybody about this movie before they see it is that um, there's a reunification of a famous pop group at the end of the movie in the wedding, and that's um, Wilson Phillips coming out to sing their song, uh, Hold On For One More Day. It might be Hold On. Uh, parentheses. parentheses. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um and then, which is another of the things staged by Helen for this incredibly ridiculous over the top wedding that includes fireworks and neon yes. light up signs and all kinds of insanity. And the only reason Helen knows that Lillian loves uh, Wilson Phillips is because of uh, Annie's gift to her, which was an, a Wilson Phillips CD. Which right. is like, well, this is an ongoing theme theme in the movie, right? That Annie has ideas about the wedding because she really knows Lillian, and then they get stolen and turned into these big productions by Helen, which is just yeah. so great. I, I absolutely love that theme. And just, I was just dying with delight at the end uh, when uh, Maya Rudolph and Chris and Wig are doing this little dance to Wilson Phillips and singing the lyrics. And, you know, it's just completely perfect and just completely true to what these characters would do. And honestly, what me and my best friend would do if that song came on in Dwayne Reed, you know, and it, I'm sure across America, people are going <laughs> to you know, be delighted by that ending. That was nice for Maya Rudolph, too, because she kind of had to be the straight woman throughout this movie. She got some, some good moments, but she didn't really get to completely goof out until the end with that with that William, Wilson Phillips song. Okay, well, Lindsay, you're making me want to go see the movie again, but thank you so much for seeing Bridesmaids with me and coming in to spoil it. Thank you so much. I This was my most anticipated movie of the year, so I'm really, really happy I got to do this. Oh, excellent. Our producer is Krishnan Vasudevan. Our executive producer is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.